0: This is episode 56 of Dead Letter Radio. As always, I'm your host, Taze, and this is the show with the slogan, Your Words, Your Podcast. Because here we feature your writing, short stories, poetry, unsent letters, even song lyrics. Everything you've written down, we give it an audience, a voice, and a platform, but you are the star of each and every episode. If this is your first time tuning in, and you'd like to find out how you can have your own work and words featured on the show, stay tuned until the end of the episode, where I'll go over how to do so. And so, welcome back everyone. I'm glad to have you here again, trying to get back on the regular (laughs) scheduling. Though, I'm sure you might notice, this episode is a little bit later in the day. (laughs) The weekend got a little bit away from me. Um, But I'm here. And I'm excited to share with you some amazing poetry and writing this day. But first, how are you doing? How has your weekend been treating you? I know some places are having extended weekends as well, so I hope it's been a good time for you to relax, maybe tackle some things you've been trying to do, or maybe even uh, just see where you're going in life. And it doesn't ever have to be anything that deep. It could be that, hey, you lazed around on the couch all weekend and nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Before we hop in, though, to the meat of the episode, I did want to touch on a reminder about this show. And that is that this show is not a critical podcast or an educational podcast when it comes to writing. And I want to say that because if you are on the fence about sending in your work or afraid that it's not quote-unquote good enough, that you don't have to worry about that here. I am not... uh, qualified enough to judge your work from an educational perspective, and I don't want to. This show's sole focus is creating an environment where people can share their creativity, share their written work without fear of judgment. Um, I know that that was a big thing for me to overcome and being comfortable sharing my work, and I want this to be a safe place for all of you. So just wanted to put that back out there. If you want to submit a piece, you've been on the fence, you can even send it anonymously. And all the words I say afterwards are just things I like and things I reflect upon it. Uh, you won't hear me criticizing your meter count or anything like that. <laughs> so anyways, let's jump right into the show. Get cozy, drive a car with the windows down, enjoy the wind. I'll play this at the beach and have a crowd gather around listening to poetry. Whatever works for you in the best listening environment. Let's hop right in. Our first piece is by Failed Poet. And you can find him on Instagram at fail underscore ed poet. And it is titled The Truth About Flowers. We all get that when you inhale deeply and unleash a whirlwind from your lungs, the dandelion spores will explode away, most into the air, some straight to the ground. Some get stuck and bent and smothered and never leave. Some land on fertile ground and bloom. Others parachute lightly down to pavement and desiccate. But none of them will become a rose, and you're exactly like your father. So thank you, Failed Poet, for sharing this piece with us today. Regarding their work, uh, Failed Poet had this to say. The poem comes from a larger work called Optimistic Poems for the Post-Apocalypse, which is a larger work that I'm creating live on Instagram. The idea is to focus on the process of writing rather than give my primacy to the product. This is one of about 70 first draft poems I have in the collection, so through my stories, I'm creating a book in front of everyone, one poem at a time. So first I want to say that is a really cool way to uh, go about a creative process and showing people uh, each draft as you go along and building the book and people only see the end product and not all the in-between steps and the changes as your work evolves. So hats off to you and taking that endeavor. In regards to the piece itself, uh, first of all, I just really like Dandelions, so this kind of struck a chord with me. But outside of that, it's a piece that when I was reading it made me think of just having a conversation, especially how the end takes that surprise twist and really subverts uh, the piece's tone as a whole. Um, And you can imagine that the writer or the narrator of this poem is talking uh, to a loved one, or someone maybe they once loved, uh, and reflecting and voicing how they are just like their father, and for the worst, it would seem as well. And so it's fun to read back this poem, too, and talk about the different stages of the dandelion spores and where they might end up and how, when it comes to life, we all can be like those spores. Most of us get into the air to go live our lives. Some, unfortunately, crash straight to the ground. Some of us get stuck in a place and never leave, and some land on fertile ground and bloom, while others float safely down, or slowly down, to the pavement and desiccate. And so we can all see how we all have different uh, directions in life we may take, uh, but then the point of the poem at the end saying, but none of them will become a rose, and you're just like your father. That sometimes it seems like, especially those that we are closest to, that they will never change. A dandelion is a dandelion, a rose is a rose, and you've Sometimes we're just like our parents, for better and for worse. Now, personally, do I feel like people can't change? I think that's up for debate. <laughs> we have evidence on both sides, but it can definitely feel this like this sentiment of this poem. That the people we really try to stick it out with, sometimes there's just not enough change there. So thank you, Failed Poet, for sharing this piece with us today. Next... We have a haiku by Vinny on Reddit, and it is titled "A Tree." A tree is, for all intents and purposes, a stately home for birds. So thank you, Vinny, for sharing that with us. I am always a big fan of haikus, as I've always have said on this show, and it's always a great read. And this one paints a fun picture. Um, of birds living in a tree, but it's almost like a stately home. It has a, a, a regality to it. You could even imagine the birds dressed and adorned in fancy hats or clothing just for the fact that this tree is a stately home. And if you would un- undress all that and don't want to get too fanciful with your uh, imagination, you can just look at it plainly. A majestic tree with numerous levels and branches that can house numerous birds and creatures. And there they are, chirping away, uh, living in this grandiose palace. It's just a fun mental image that really captures uh, the beauty and almost a little bit of absurdity that we can see around us. So thank you for sharing. Next, we have a piece by Cecilia Cousins, and it is titled, Are You Sure You're Okay? The pit in my stomach starts to ache, and I feel a burning sensation in my chest. There was always something about that phrase that bothered me. How dare you doubt my feelings? You already asked how I was. Why must I say it once again? I simply said, I'm fine. Why did you not leave the conversation there? I will never know. Maybe it was the way I was brought up, but it rubs me the wrong way. Questioning my feelings for your own comfort, how inconsiderate could you be? And like wind gusting upon my face, I begin to blink faster. I try to slow my breathing, but a dizziness comes over me. You look at me with concern, your eyebrows slated and upward, your head slightly to the side. I cannot stand that look. If I was an open book, my face would twist in disgust. With every action, you would fill me with more rage. I close my eyes and try to think of puppies, meadows, herds of ducklings, anything to calm myself. I see nothing but darkness. When I tell you I am fine, I think you should believe me. Why question my feelings? Why are you trying to pry emotions out of me so you can feel better? The only emotion you will get from me now is fury. Pure and unhinged rage. You brought this upon yourself, though. Now I will be acting a complete ass, screaming, hollering, throwing things. Wasn't this the reaction you were hoping for? No? Oh, my bad. You expected me to smile and laugh and give you the sweet reaction of a well-mannered young adult. Well, you're going to get the exact opposite. Now you've created a monster. Aren't you happy now? This is everything you were hoping for. Maybe next time you'll know better. Maybe next time you'll mind your damn business, huh? Maybe next time. So Thank you, Cecilia, for sharing this piece with us today. Regarding their work, they said, this work is about a pet peeve of mine and something I have struggled with for years. And I'm trying to recall now, I feel like I have read maybe someone's comment about something similar and being the idea that if someone tells you they're fine uh, and there's no other reason to believe they're not just to leave it and not pry, because some people keep pushing that. Like, are you sure you're okay? Are you sure you're feeling all right? And it is an interesting balance, because I probably in the past was that guy a little bit. (laughs) And usually I imagine it's out of concern, but on the other end, I know and can recognize how it can feel when you give someone an answer, uh, that you're okay, when you're genuinely okay, or even more so if you are okay in the moment, but there is a lot going on in the background of your mind that you're trying not to focus on at that time. The portion of your piece that really recalled to mind uh, the moments where someone asked if I'm okay and uh, I can feel the emotion overwhelming me, but not out of anger, was uh, the part where you said... Uh, And like wind gusting upon my face, I begin to blink faster. I try to slow my breathing, but a dizziness comes over me. For me, that moment's like that when you have a lot more going on in your mind, and sometimes that are you okay is that last shove over from whatever emotional stability you had at that moment. It was the final nick in all the cracks of the dam, and now emotions come bursting forth. I had only really one moment fully that was like that. Um, And I remember it wasn't necessarily an are you okay, but it was uh, me running into someone I knew who was overwhelmed and crying a bit. And and I went to comfort them and to hug them. And then when they hugged me, it opened up emotions for what I was going through. And I started crying. And so I just thought it was an interesting moment. But when people press sometimes emotionally, too, you I sometimes have that reaction, even how this piece expresses, not liking that look, trying to calm yourself but feeling anger because I am trying to keep myself composed at that moment and not trying to face uh, what is weighing me down uh, in the background. But that was my own thoughts and my own experiences that this piece brought out for me. Uh, So I'm curious on how uh, everyone else who listens to this piece feels. But thank you, Cecilia, for sharing. Our next piece is by Freedom Strange, and it is titled Fire Child. You're always trying to tame me, pin my curls back from my eyes, smother flames that you could not weather. You've chained my wrists with excuses, bound me to your side with love and platitudes. I have had my heart carved out and sacrificed on the altar for your culture. And I think it is far past time I reclaimed it from the ashes. You're always trying to tame me. Some part of you realizes that I cannot be tamed. You are a beautiful exercise in futility. So thank you, Freedom, for sharing this piece with us. Regarding their words, they said, People keep saying that I'm at an age now An age for burning things, I think they mean. An age for rebellion. But there are few things I want to rebel against. Few things that I feel called to burn down. The only thing I've ever really wanted uh, is a space to become myself. And someone to hold my heart in careful hands. Those are hard things to find. But I think, somehow, that I'm beginning to reach them. This poem, though it may seem a little angry, is a celebration of that. A celebration of new things. Of growing out of things that used to keep me chained. Uh, So thank you for giving us that background as well. That is one of the hardest parts about growing up, even uh, into our beginning parts of adulthood, is that, at least in my experience, that branching away. That feeling of you want to do things and you're going in a little bit different direction than maybe what your roots have established. And it can be a little bit of pushing because of that. And it can feel like you're a little bit chained down because of that. And even though people might have good intentions, as you say, bound me to your side with love and platitudes, uh, you can feel like there is a different direction you want to go with in different aspects of your life. And it can be seen as rebellious, especially when we're younger. And it can be seen as uh, us wanting to tear things down. And at times that may be true, but at times it could be just something that's different. Something that is different from the norm of our culture or our home or what have you. And that is difficult for both parties, What did you say so. But to find a place where you can be comfortable being yourself, a place that you can be happy... Uh, that is our ultimate goal in life, isn't it, to uh, be just happy uh, where we are and who we are and with the people uh, that we're with. And so thank you, uh, Freedom, for sharing this piece with us because I think it's something we all experience in various degrees, and I think you captured that well. Next, we have a piece by A Child of Escapism, and you can find them on Twitter. My dearest one, kiss my lips as I let out the smoke of my life burning to dust. Let me smell your perfume when the only thing filling my nostrils is gunpowder and steel. Hold me together as my pieces are trying to fly away, along with my long forgotten dreams. I'll treat you gently, so don't shatter like my reality. Your touch feels like rebirth. Your breath on my skin resurrects me. The bullet in my heart didn't ache like the thought of losing you does. Our last kiss was sweeter than the freedom death offers. I hope you heard my whisper through the screams. One day wars will be ended by love poems. Thank you, child of escapism, for sharing this piece with us today. It's interesting, when I was reading this, uh painted a clear scene for me, and I wonder if those listening, if you had something similar, but as I read it a few times, i really trying to see what it meant and what it felt to me. I got the image of a soldier at war, and unfortunately, uh, the last shot was fatal, and now, in these last fleeting moments, he is writing to his loved one. ...as his life is burning to dust... ...and he reminisces on her perfume... ...when all he smells... ...is gunpowder and steel... ...and as his pieces... ...are beginning to fly away... ...like his dreams... ...he longs for them... ...to hold him together... ...and I'm saying he... ...just because that's what came into my mind... ...but it can be anyone... uh, ...in this scenario... ...and in this tragic state... ...and so it goes on... And they start saying that their touch feels like rebirth. Breath on the skin resurrects me. And that that fatal bullet, the one in the heart, doesn't ache like the thought of losing his or their loved one. And the last kiss sweeter than the freedom death offers. And in those final moments, our narrator, this soldier, writes, One day, wars will be ended by love poems. So it's a bittersweet uh, tale, a bittersweet poem, and a bittersweet notion with a sign that even in these harrowing uh, landscapes and situations that are so bleak that there is still hope, there is still love, there is still the future for things to improve. Uh, so thank you so much for sharing uh, child of escapism this poem and thank you for listening to my interpretation of it. Next, we have a piece by Uma Hamsich, and you can find them on Twitter, at Uma, and it is titled, Horseman. The man with the white horse moved in, three days following his brother's red flocks. My mother served raw pastries, sun-thawed, from the green light that never touched down to kiss our already radioactive skin. My father sat at the corner table holding tins of battered fish like he had to count the mouthfuls left. Water from an ordinary garden hose, thirty seconds per prisoner, a name full of numbers. The man ate the pastries and picked his teeth with white bones from the nearby riverbank. His horse screamed at me when I tried to pet it and bloody challenge, as if my hand was full of cyanide and not sugar cubes or maybe both, the way we drink granulated milk like coffee, listening to adults talk about trivial things like taxes and friends who didn't make it. They shared photos the way we shared toys, waiting for it to shatter in someone else's hands. The man placed a fingertip on my nose. Darling, he cooed, splitting my skull with a cheese board. The horse laughed at my shaking hand, held out in a mockery of a peace treaty. Polar white flag, curdled milk, spiked sugar, raw dough, cod flesh. He moved his treaties next to his funeral suits and his semi-automatic next to his saddle into the spare room across from mine. We ask when he will go meet his brother. When I am done here, he says, when I have taken what he has left for me. He smiles pale lips cracking milk or sugar both i can hear him at night frothing sea foam at the mouth tapping at my front door calling me out for a ride thank you so much for sharing this poem with us uma regarding this piece they said this poem focuses on themes of the fear of war Told for my Bosnian heritage during a politically unstable moment, your words really capture that unease one would feel the fear the balance of trying to live life as much as one can in such dire circumstances, and reading the your poem a few times and uh it didn't click with me at first, but then I read it subsequently that the horsemen of the apocalypse, I believe you allude to, uh, with the man with the white horse, uh, fought and following fought his brother's red flocks, at least in my interpretation, it was the next horse after the red horse has gone through, and a portion of these horses mean war and slaughter, and that we can see how this affected uh, these lands in this poem and the family that this narration follows. Because as we read, we do get glimpses of how maybe personalities or focuses have shifted. Uh, you talk about how the mother serves raw pastries that's sun-thawed. So wasn't thawed out in a microwave or an oven or anything like that, but by the sun, so maybe lack of power. Uh, it's from the green light that never touched down The kiss already radioactive skin, showing signs of fallout. And then it proceeds to talk about the father who holds tins of battered fish and is counting them like he's counting mouthfuls left. The line I thought following that I found interesting where it says, Water from an ordinary garden hose, 30 seconds per prisoner. Now when it comes to my mind, and maybe I'm wrong, I imagine that that was how long each person was allowed to get a drink. And there you have the the rider on the white horse eating their food and picking his teeth with white bones from a nearby river bank. His horse, afraid to be touched uh, due to only knowing war as, as they don't know if it's cyanide or sugar cubes, and the adults continue to talk about trivial things, uh, like taxes, and in the same breath of conversation, friends who didn't make it, Uh, death being so common at that point that it's tied to something as trivial and mundane as our taxes. Yet, you can still feel the sincerity that they shared photos the way we shared toys, waiting for it to shatter in someone else's hands. And so it goes on and talks about the deaths or uh, the horsemen's interaction with the narrator, uh, their attack on the narrator, the peace treaty. Uh, Our voice tries to give out like a flag, like color, curdled milk, spiked sugar, raw dough, cod flesh, that this so far is a situation that was going to stay, unfortunately. Your poem then ends with our narrator hearing the horsemen at night frothing sea foam at the mouth, tapping at their front door, calling them out for a ride. It's hard to imagine if you've never been in a situation like that, but to have death and war and violence surrounding you when you never know when it will be your last day, your last evening, your last meal, and you don't know when's the next time you'll see those who are close to you. I can feel, as Uma put it, that horseman tapping at your door, calling you for a ride. So thank you, Uma, for sharing your words with us. And that's it that is this episode of Dead Letter Radio. So thank you so much to everyone who uh, sent in their work and shared it and gave me the honor to be able to read your words. As I said, these are always your words. You are the stars of each and every episode. I am just here to give you a voice and a platform to do so. Uh, So thank you. It always blows my mind that you allow me to do this. If you're curious on who wrote what, you can see all the author's name or handles uh, in the description of the episode. Uh, and that way, if they have social media, you can just stop in and say hi. Good job. with your work? <laughs> also, if you have enjoyed this episode, please leave a review or a rating wherever you listen to your podcast, so like Spotify. Uh, you can leave star ratings. Apple, you can do star ratings and a written review. It really helps out the show and allows it to reach more people, inspire more people, and allows more people to maybe try writing for the first time. If you would like to go above and beyond even leaving a rating and a review, there is a Patreon as well, and that is in the link of every episode, and, uh, in the description, I should say, in every episode. You can find it on our Twitter and socials and things of that nature as well. The show is also now on YouTube. Uh, it is going through the backlog, so slowly uh, episodes will catch up but it gives you a good excuse to go back and listen to ones you might have missed and hear writers you never heard of before. But also, some people uh, prefer listening to podcasts on YouTube, so that's the main reason why I started uploading this show there. If this is your first time tuning in, and you would like to uh, know how you can have your own work featured, it's very easy. Uh, You can look into the description of this episode, or on my Twitter, Dead Letter Cast. At C A S T, and there you can find a link to the submission rules and a link to my email. Uh, go to my email, send in the piece, and basically you just send in a piece as a Word document or a PDF. I include a title and also how you'd like to be credited, whether that could be anonymous, a pen name, a handle, your name, what have you, as long as it's something I'm comfortable reading. <laughs> Um, along with that, if you have any background information you might want shared regarding your work, I'll put that in too, because it can give some insight to what inspired you. That was a lot of ending notices, but I really did want to highlight the YouTube portion of it, as that is something new and it's fun to try to, as I try to figure out how to upload it, because I never really uploaded things on YouTube uh, much before, I should say. And so. I'm just happy it's there. I don't know how much, you know, interest that would generate, but I'm happy. It's another avenue that this podcast has a way of being out there to be accessible to everyone. So, this is it. I hope that your day has been going well, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Maybe you felt a little bit inspired, or you're able to reflect on some things, or maybe uh, it reminded you of how much you wanted to get back into writing, or whatever creative endeavor you have. Because your work and your words, your writing, and on other avenues, your music, your painting is always going to be your own. Uh, Your hands and your mind, uh, your senses can only create what you can create. And so that is something to value and to treasure. And I hope this show reminds you of that. This is Taze with Dead Letter Radio, and I'm wishing you all safe travels.